This episode contains discussions of how youth have been oppressed, including troubling true stories of ableism that may be triggering or upsetting to some listeners. This episode will offer some background context and a bit of a deeper dive into ENYAC's self-worth zine, which is a practical tool to support youth in checking in with their self-worth, including how their self-worth is being impacted by their relationships. What is self-worth? It really refers to what we think about when we think about our own value and our worth. So why don't we start with reflecting on how the idea for this zine came about? And as we reflect, we can introduce ourselves. It's Alyssa here. I help Haley with facilitating the ENYAC, and I'm associate with Wisdom to Action. My name is Alexis, and I'm from central Alberta. My name's Jake from Nova Scotia. My first idea for this resource was definitely surrounded around kind of a transformative process I was going through at the time. And I think we're always constantly changing and evolving, but I was definitely trying to learn how to love myself more and getting to bed on time and making sure that I was focusing more in school and and stuff like that. And I think it was definitely to have the self-worth part was um, something that I think a lot of people could take from. And it was something that helped me along the way. Thanks so much for sharing that, Jake. Alexis, do you have any memories of sort of those early days or first conversations about this resource? I do, actually. That definitely takes me back to about a year ago. And at the time, I remember as a group having discussions about the fact that it really is true, the cliche of needing to love yourself in order to be able to have healthy relationships and love other people. As much as that is like put around in inspirational quotes on Pinterest and whatnot, it really is true. And I've found in my own life that is definitely something that I'm working on personally. And I think a lot of us can relate to struggling with self-worth because it is something that I don't think always comes just naturally for people. It is a process and it's always a work in progress. And I think it's really important for young people to have access to this resource to both evaluate where they're at individually with their self-worth but also how their external relationships are impacting that as well. Sometimes if we don't have a strong sense of self-worth, we self-sabotage how we might have our values supported in our life or how we might see things that we want because we've created like this space where we don't have that sense of, you know, of love, of care, of the type of support that we need, of having our values show up in the relationships that we have, of like all of those things. And I love that that's where kind of creating the zine, having those checklists and having that process came into play. Here's something I remember vividly Alexis saying was kind of how the idea of self-worth and self-love is capitalized almost and how it's like you have to have this bath bomb or this lotion or this shampoo like to feel self-love. But I think even bringing it back to our zine and how it's simple, but it's it's also kind of complex in the way that it's worded and it gets you thinking. But the zine is definitely something that it doesn't cost and it's it's not something that you have to buy into to feel worthy or self-love for yourself. Thank you so much for bringing that up, Jake, because self-worth for me, definitely, I see a lot of capitalism on it. And specifically, I was thinking about 
a lot of the movement around self-care like it's about a trend it's about getting a photo on Instagram it's about going to a spa and is often used as a way to make oneself look better in the eyes of others rather than doing that internal reflection and really evaluating how you feel about yourself so that's what we wanted to look at in this resource specifically is really, as Jake said, getting back to basics and examining and reflecting for ourselves on how we feel. If we don't have a strong sense of those basics, we're not able to support others within our, you know, our circle to understand those basics too, and to maybe have support. So it's really great to have resource like this. Like I'm so, so impressed and proud of the ENYAC for coming up with this idea and like really like seeing it to fruition. I think it's such a great a great resource that people will really be able to use. It's interesting, this conversation about capitalism and buying and that connection with self-care and how it's almost been commodified. And it's interesting when you think about all the conversations that we had about social media and the sort of the monetization of self-care, because that's a whole industry telling us that we shouldn't have self-worth, we shouldn't value ourselves, that nothing about us is worthy, and that everything about all these other things is perfection, and that's what we should be getting towards. And then on the flip side, I think stigma was such a huge kind of motivator of this resource. So I just wanted to put that out there too, because I think we could almost bring that into the conversation a little bit, because I think our conversations about stigma and marginalization really fueled the need for this resource or that. So I know I know that's two different points because we're also we're thinking about social media and that constant sort of comparison and how that impacts our self-worth and then we're also thinking about that piece of marginalization like these elements of our identity where we're not you know where we're told we're not supposed to feel self-worth or because of systemic reasons we don't feel self-worth so I remember when we were talking about social media a lot of conversations around what the perfect life should be For instance, when we log on to our Instagram feed or our Facebook feed or TikTok, we see influencers, but we'll also see people we know. And social media is inherently designed to be a place where you post the absolute best moments. There aren't many people who post negative things or that they're eating a bowl of cereal (laughs) because social media is an environment that has been made to make us desire likes and attention and shares and comments from others and so it makes sense as to why it is that way but it's also really damaging if especially if you're a young person and you see all of these people who look like their lives are amazing and you're like well I can't have that I'll never be like that and then that really it really hurts your self-worth it makes you feel like you're not good enough why don't I deserve this so social media definitely was an important part of this conversation and as for the stigma piece as well in my case in one area of my life I face people who tell me that I shouldn't exist, that because I have disabilities, I'm not worthy, I'm not capable of anything. At the intersection of gender, I face people in medical care making presumptions based on that. People telling me I don't deserve medical care. Like I've heard a lot of really terrible things. And 
I think I was 16 at the time and it was actually a peer of mine who told me that because I have genetic conditions, I should have been left to die as a baby because I'm contaminating the gene pool, which that's not their right to say or anyone else's. But hearing that and everything else growing up that I've had to go through with this, it really makes it hard, I will say, because I do have an amazing group of people that I'm really lucky to have in my life, including the Enyaq, honestly, who do cheer me on and who are amazing people who value me and remind me of that. However, it's sometimes difficult when you do have all of these other voices who are saying that you shouldn't even be alive, let alone have any kind of worth in society to feel good about yourself. Thank you for sharing that, Alexis. And obviously, I just, I'm sorry to hear that. That's horrible. And there's nothing to be said about that other than that's horrible. And thank you for sharing that. And I think that point that you made is really important to emphasize. I think it's it's not really a radical thing to say that a lot of folks are being told that they're not worthy. Like, you know, so it's like, it's really logical that a lot of us are struggling with our self-worth in relationship with ourselves. Like we've all talked about, right? Like we've talked a lot. You folks have talked a lot about internalized stigma. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that there's a struggle with self-worth and then there's a struggle in relationships when we're being told a lot of the time that we're not worthy. So I thought that Alexis was a really like important thing to remember in the conversation around kind of how the scene came about. Thank you. Within like to us LGBTQ and like queer communities, if you're constantly seeing like stigmatizing images um, and stigmatizing messages online or within like in maybe like your home setting and you're trying to deal with your own queer identity um, and trying to deal with that, but then you're also internalizing these these, these, the stigma. And so even though you might be part of that, and then we talked a lot about how then if you're not able to reflect and try to see your own self-worth outside of all those voices that are coming against you, then sometimes you are that voice for someone else. And like, we were talking a lot about how that creates, you know, violence and, and conflict in relationships and how, you know, by reflecting with on ourselves and by going through this internal process, that's the thing that we can do to try to support moving away from repeating those, you know, cycles. Yeah. Thanks, Alyssa. That's a really important historical point about how this kind of developed. Cause I know there were a lot of conversations about that and particularly those stigmas. So thank you for bringing that up. And I think that's actually a really good place to go into that part two of the zine where it's connecting up self-worth and relationships. How do self-worth and relationships connect? We know that dating relationships impact our self-worth. So asking ourselves some questions like the one in this zine can help us get in touch with how relationships might affect our self-worth. And as it says in the zine, if you start realizing your relationships might be having a negative impact on your self-esteem, don't panic about your relationships. It might just be time to ponder. Um, of course, that said, if you're in immediate danger, you call 911 and there's resources on the PrevNet website, there's resources uh, on the zine. Um, but if you're not in immediate danger, it might mean it's time to reflect 
uh, on your relationship and, and the impact it's having on, on your self-worth. So I thought at this stage, we could talk a little bit about um, part two of our zine, where we started making those linkages between checking in with ourself and then how is how we're doing and our overall kind of sense of ourself and our self-worth, how is that impacting our, our relationships? And I have this, I've had this quote in my head all day, so I'm just going to say it because it's the quote that I think of when I think of this connection between self-worth and relationship. And it's Maya Angelou uh, saying, you might forget what someone said to you, but you're never going to forget how that person made you feel. Right. And I think that is an interesting launching point for kind of thinking about part two of our zine in terms of relationships and, and how they're impacting how we feel about ourselves uh, and our relationship with ourselves. When I think of linking the two self-worth and your relationships together, I think one of the first things that kind of came to my mind was our internalized feelings about ourselves, of course. I know that in many, many 2SLGBTQIA plus relationships, a lot of people internalize their identities, I guess, and feel negative feelings from the society, family, social media, all of the sort. And I guess the original idea I thought of when thinking of this resource was how we bring those into a relationship. And sometimes it comes down to, we may not know that we're projecting our negative emotions. And sometimes it comes down to the, the air we breathe is, is full of all of these stigmas. And it's, it's kind of inevitable for some people to, or even for most to not attach these things. And um, when it comes to a relationship with someone, you may love this person or you may want to be with this person, but maybe they're at a level themselves where they may not feel comfortable holding hands in public, or they may not feel comfortable even being seen with someone um, in public as a um, couple, just because of the stigmas they have in their own. And that's, that's nothing against the person. And we all have to work through certain feelings we have, of course, but um, I think doing a check-in on yourself and, and seeing everything you're bringing to a relationship, um, maybe positive or negatively, can be very helpful in having a healthy relationship. And of course, the other person reflecting as well, because it may be you who is the person who is doing more damage than the other, I guess. Thanks so much for that, Jake. That reminds me, I think that was one of the first conversations that that you brought forward when we were working on this resource. So that's a that's a really interesting place to come back to when we're starting this conversation about our self-worth and, and in relationship. And I think the way you linked it with stigma was so important there because exactly what you said, right? Like I think compulsory heterosexuality is like, that's the, that's what we're swimming in, right? That's what we're breathing in. Like you said, the air that we breathe, right? Like it's, I love that way of phrasing it when you're thinking of internalized stigma, because when you're thinking of all of these intersections of oppression, that exactly, that is what it is. It's a, there's no outside of power, right? So like we're swimming, like you said, in this, um, and it's, I like that because it takes the self-blame and the kind of the victim blaming piece um, that sometimes comes up when we talk about that out of it. So thank you. Thank you for phrasing it that way and, and for reminding us of kind of how we started with this resource. I also remember discussing this piece that bringing in the relationship side this idea that we often see on social media or even just pressure within friend groups that you have to have a partner in the first place to be worthy. 
And that definitely isn't true, regardless of who you love, what your gender identity is. You never need a partner to be worthy because we also talked about the fact that there's this culture that sees someone as their better half or like you need a partner to be whole. And that isn't the case. We talked about that we are whole people all on our own without our partner. And then if we have a partner or partners, they just add to that. But you're already 100% by yourself. Such a great point, Alexis. The value that media and society places on romantic relationships, non-romantic relationships might be the relationships that are really valuable to, to you as a person. And that is totally okay. And you don't have to place significant value in romantic relationships. That's just like not your thing. And that's totally cool. That could be just where that, where your values are. They're in, you know, those other relationships and that's where you want to put, you know, time and effort and, and all of those things into. That's so important, Alyssa, because I remember when designing this, we specifically wanted it to reflect all different kinds of relationships in one's life. This section isn't exclusively about romantic relationships. If that applies, you can definitely use it to reflect on that. But it can also be about friendships. Something personally is, I don't understand why in society friendships are considered trivial often. Like, I'm not sure why that is. Because there's some people in my life as friends who they know so much about me and their relationships that I personally really value and would like to have in my life for a long time. And that's not trivial for me. Like, that's a big part of my life. And I just wish that that was more acceptable to have friendships be something that is really valued and isn't like a surface thing I guess and Alexis that's such an interesting point to kind of take us into what I think might be a really interesting discussion of kind of flipping it to look at what would be healthier because I think you're sort of you're bringing up something there in terms of even the way that we what we default to when we hear the word relationship oh, it's romantic relationships. It's, you know, these kinds of relationships. And I'm wondering, thinking towards promoting healthier relationships, healthier dating relationships or healthy friendships or healthy relationships with ourselves. I wonder how we could do that. I know that's a huge question, but just thinking of our resource, I think Alexis, you pointed to a really concrete thing there, which was the the NIAC made this really conscious choice to make that section not about romantic relationships exclusively, but to, to make it about, you know, this could be a relationship with a friend, a, a colleague, um, a neighbor, and you made it really expansive. And you made a point of saying, this is a dating violence resource, but we want to be more expansive about how we're thinking about relationships. So I thought that was, this is kind of an interesting launching point to talk about maybe even those pieces of like, how do we have healthier representations or interactions on social media or what are some things we could do that might be a bit healthier even if I guess what I was thinking about earlier today was we did have those conversations about sometimes social media can be good right like there can be um like sex positive content on there or there could be something that's really maybe like really useful for us um and 
for finding community. Um, so I wonder, you know what I mean? I wonder if we could think a little bit as we sort of head towards the last part of the of the episode, what are some some good things that are are there are are there any? Are there some good things happening? Um, whether it's on social media, online, offline, that we could do and that other young people could do to sort of to to get somewhere a little bit where they're feeling a little bit better, I guess. Does that make sense? It can really be a dichotomy where some of it is really, really good and some of it is really, really bad. And that can even be in the same space with the same people. I was thinking about maybe within the disability community or within patient support groups, they can be really positive spaces for sharing knowledge and people post things that they're up to in their lives. And it really helps remind us that we're not defined by our conditions. Like it's, you might have this illness, but that isn't who you are as a whole. And so that's really helpful, especially for people who are maybe newer to the community. However, there can also be that transference, as Jake mentioned, of like the internalized stigma. So maybe there's some internalized ableism going on here. And then that can really affect the entire group, depending on how that goes. So it's really interesting that, yeah, these same spaces with the same people can be really positive and can also sometimes be really negative influences that are difficult to deal with. I think one of the things that we also talked about it was around some of the things that if it's like a social media, how sometimes we might need to like take a step away from some of those people and how like that can be okay. And a lot of these spaces, they're kind of like cut everyone off if it's not like making you feel happy 100%. And I feel like just in talking about like healthy relationships and not healthy relationships, it's like, yeah, maybe that's not the healthiest thing to do is to just like cut everyone out. And so I think that that's also important too, is like that part about reflecting. And if we're not, we're on a journey, likely some of the other people within our you know circle are also on a journey of self-reflection and figuring out their things. And sometimes when you're feeling like you kind of mold yourself into wanting to fit into certain relationships because you don't have a strong sense of what your values are, your self-worth and all those things. So you'll just kind of mold yourself to being like in all these different relationships. And so I think that helps us support that, but also helps us support others. I think we're always going through transformative processes and we're always learning so much more about ourselves and the others around us. And even recently I've had huge changes that have made amazing differences in my life. And like within the past month, I've I've slowed my usage of social media and I put my phone down more. And I think for anyone listening in, it's really important to take from social media that a lot of people emphasize like a really fast culture and always wanting to do something, always wanting to fly somewhere and go shopping somewhere and stuff. And really kind of sitting down and realizing that living in the moment is very exciting too and rewarding and I really hadn't even like read a book in years and recently I've started reading and it's, it's wonderful, honestly. Yeah. I think there's definitely excitement in kind of an ordinary life because most of us live an ordinary life. And with that being said, it's 
you can be excited to do things, you know, plan a trip to go somewhere. Or I think when you kind of bring it back down to basics and live your life for what it is and, you know, plan things in the future that excite you, but don't wait until then fill your life with things, little things that will make you happy until then. Um, you know, whether, whether it's like cooking food, (laughs) um, like cleaning your room, I don't know, but little things like that to kind of get yourself away from devices for me is what's personally helped me so much with, um, self-worth in general in ways that I can't even explain. It's just all of a sudden I was like, wow, I, I feel more energetic and I feel a little bit happier. Wow, Jake, everything you just said, I love all of it. And the way you said it, like, amazing. And I have to tell you, the teacher in me is really excited to hear about how much you love books. So (laughs) I just had to say that that's exciting. (laughs) And thank you for sharing that. As Jake mentioned, living in the moment is really important. It's something that For me, I've been doing since I was 12 and I received the diagnosis of a life-threatening heart condition. I don't know how long I'm going to live. That is just factual information that is something that exists in my life. And so I really try my best to enjoy all of the moments, all of the small things. And it's interesting because I find when other people think about me, They think the defining moments in my life, my biggest accomplishments, the things that make me worthy are kind of these big summits. And those are definitely things that I value and I believe are important and make a difference. But when it comes to my personal self-worth, those small moments of just having a really, really good laugh with one of my best friends or watching a series with my mom or snuggling up with my bunny in a thunderstorm because he's scared of the loud sounds like those moments are also something that is really important for me personally and my self-worth because that's also a big part of living for me living my life doesn't just have to be the travel to these uh, fancy places. It doesn't have to be the big conferences or the global summits or any of these things. It can also just be those small day-to-day moments that we have either with ourselves or with other people because those matter too. And I also, on a last thought, is to emphasize what Alyssa mentioned earlier that the unfollow button is your friend. It's really something that there is some uh, social pressure around not using it or being ashamed of it, or you should be ashamed, but you shouldn't feel that way. And no one should have to feel that way. Because if unfollowing someone on Facebook is going to help make a positive difference in how you see yourself, then do it. You can even take temporary breaks from people for certain periods of time. And I think that is really important. It's something that can be a really useful tool. And I will say that I use it. And I think it's really important that people know that that's okay. I'm so excited for young people and all people that listen, um, Alexis and Jake, like, 
wow to have that kind of that life affirming you know outlook and also just that ability to be so generous in sharing your own transformation your own journeys of self-worth thank you I think it's really profound and helpful and I just want to thank you both for for sharing these thoughts and reflections Alexis, it's funny, something that you said reminded me of an Olympian. I, I'm not into sports, so I can't tell you what sport it was. I can't tell you what athlete it was, but this person had just won a gold medal and the journalist was asking them, you know, are you happy now? Like, is this made you happy? And he was really casually just said, you know, this is great, but you know, it's, it's not who I am. It's what I do right now. And someday I won't do it and I'll be the same person, you know? And I just thought, wow, this person kind of has a really healthy outlook when it comes to their self-worth that I thought, you know, it's kind of interesting to think about it that way. Alexis, that what you were saying there reminded me of that. And I think this is such a like lovely, beautiful way to end not just this episode, but this podcast series um, kind of come full circle through all of these discussions. And we've talked today about self-worth and reflecting on it and what it really means. And I think those last reflections really do such a good job at explaining what what that is, what self-worth is, what it means in the lives of young people and how it helps young people to reflect on that, that piece in order to sort of get a a reading on on how their relationships, all different kinds of relationships are are influencing that that feeling of self-worth or that innate kind of understanding of our own worth and our own value. So thank you for that. PrevNet brings together researchers, organizations, schools, and communities to prevent bullying and youth dating violence and to promote healthy relationships. PrevNet is dedicated to making a difference in the lives of youth by bringing awareness and education to these topics. You can learn more at prevnet.ca, youthdatingviolence.prevnet.ca, and at PrevNet on all social media.